Friends, it has been well over 15 years since the faded flop. I know you probably don't know what I'm talking about. It was the recipe flop of my lifetime. I can't even say, and I'm sorry, Rachel, before I do this, I can't even say, she already knows where I'm going, uh, I can't even say the words lemon butter without her getting sick to her stomach. Um, man, uh, it's cool. Like a... Yeah, it was, it's off limits now because it was terrible. Despite my best efforts and intentions to make a good dinner, the lemon butter chicken over pasta is a recipe that will never come back out again. We were back at seminary. It was just the two of us. I was a full-time student. She was a full-time sugar mama. Sorry, breadwinner. <laughs> and I was all set to have a yummy dinner ready for her when she got home from work. The red flag started going up even before it was plated. Uh, she's like, oh, well, what is that? It doesn't, smells interesting. <laughs> but she pushed through, you know, somebody made something for you. She tasted it and had to pass, which she does reluctantly. We are not picky eaters. Uh, we didn't have much extra money. We shopped regularly at the food pantry, pinched our pennies. Our first baby was on the way. Uh, so we were saving wherever we could. But this was a no-go hard pass, not happening. Like, I don't even know if you ate that night. Probably not. <laughs> Have you ever had a recipe flop, a fail of something, something you've tried, you followed all the directions, but it still didn't turn out? Maybe not a cooking one. Maybe it was uh, you're responsible for getting the toys built after they were opened on Christmas morning, and yet you've got a gazillion pieces and extra screws and it doesn't work. Or maybe it's the Ikea piece of furniture and you just have all kinds of pieces, but who knows? Despite your best efforts, it's a no-go. Leaves you frustrated, not sure where to turn next. It's, it's a struggle. And I think many of us have been there in some fairly unimportant things. But there's a more important one I want to talk about today. See, the struggle isn't just limited to recipes, but it's a struggle that happens on a much higher stakes level. That's faith. Faith and really the eternal existence of people that we love. Sometimes the recipe for faith seems to flop. I think of the parents who say, I, I raised all three kids the same, but two out of three, I don't know. Only one still goes to church. Only one still says they pray and talks about faith anymore. What do we do when the pieces don't come together, don't form faith? Where do we turn? I think of the a friend or family member that you've, you've talked to over the years, maybe potentially asked questions of. Let them question you. Let them push and answer their objections. You've tried to love on them well, do all the things that, that would care for them all along the way, and yet still they don't believe. Still they refuse to trust like you do. In fact, in this very moment, I'm just going to give you a sec. Let a name or a face come to mind. A person that you know, who you love, you care about, who doesn't yet believe. It's heartbreaking. The end will come someday, and it's only those who trust in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, that will come and be in the new heavens and new earth along with him. It's heartbreaking. Leaves you wondering, like, is there a better recipe? Uh, is there an ingredient that I've been missing? It's this is just a flop, and this is not possible for this person. They're good questions. The ones that should 
should sit on our hearts. And thankfully, I see in the account that Sean masterfully read for us earlier, I see in the account of Jesus answers to these kinds of questions. See, in some ways, faith in Jesus is so simple. When you believe, you believe. And if you've been a Christian since you were a kid, it just, like, it just makes sense. Like, this is this how you do life. It's how you see things. But what about those who don't? How can they get there? What? What does it take? How can we who care about them help or do something along the way? Is there a recipe for belief? Indeed, there is, but it's still not that simple. <laughs> Nonetheless, Jesus helps us live in the reality of what is while still holding on to the possibilities of what is not yet but could be because the ongoing impact of Easter continues. So as we look today in Luke 24, 13 through 35, we're gonna be looking at that account of Jesus. So I wanna encourage you, open up your Bible now. I'm not gonna put the scripture up on the screen, so if you're waiting for that, uh, it's not happening. Uh, so get out your phone, get out the Bible in front of you. We're at Luke 24, starting at verse 13. We're gonna walk our way all the way through this text. So walk with me today. This account of Jesus appearing after he was raised from the dead by the Father on the third day to help us live in those realities that continue even into today. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. And the lens I want to give you now, I know as we read it the first, hear it the first time, I'm just kind of trying to soak it up and take it all in. This time I want you to hear it through the lens of, of how faith happens. And before I, I get there, I just want to say, this is not prescriptive about how faith always happens in every person, but rather it is descriptive of how two people do come to faith. So what it does offer to us, it reveals much about how things work and particularly what to expect or not to expect along the way. Verse 13, Luke 24. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. The two of them are disciples of Jesus. They were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. This is post-resurrection. Again, we're in the series of Easter continues and the details of the days following the resurrection. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So they're, they're just tootling along together, and he just comes up next to them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. If you've got your own Bible, feel free to underline that one there. I think this is a key piece. Not that, it's not that they couldn't, but their eyes were kept from believing. By whom? Uh, the best commentators would say, God. God did not open their eyes yet, which blows my mind a little bit, but that's a key piece to hang on to, a crucial piece in the puzzle if we're going to understand and have a lens for these recipe flops out there. So hold on to that. More to come. Verse 17, he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Now, as I picture this, this is kind of the, the uh, like, you're walking along with somebody and they say something, you just kind of go like, I can't take another step. Like, are you serious? Did you, did you really just say that? Like, come on. Like, it's like a, like a pull over the car moment. Like, we just need to stop right here and talk about this. You don't know what's happening? Oh, come on. Well, let, let me tell you. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem 
who does not know the things that have happened here in these days, all the stuff that's happened with Jesus and him coming in on Palm Sunday and the crucifixion and the sign on the cross and the, the, the dead in the tomb and the open tomb and the earthquakes and the, all the stuff that came along with that and the, the reports of him being alive and all, all this. And they said to him, they, you hear this, they said to him, they who didn't know are telling him, the one who did know, about the things. Seems odd at first. But I don't think it's outside the norm of what we should expect for someone coming to faith. It's not uncommon, an, unco- an uncommon part of the process that the one who doesn't yet believe says, no, I think I got it. I've looked at all the things. I understand all this stuff already. I don't have any new information. I've looked at it, but I'm not sold. They go on and tell him, verse, verses uh, uh, 19, the second half of it, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a mighty prophet in word and in deed and before God and all the people. They know all the things. How our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. And get this, 21. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides this, and you can underline this, it is now the third day since these things had happened. They had hope about one who had died, who was supposed to be raised three days later, and they're like, hey, we're three days later, and I don't know, I don't see him. They were holding on to a promise, but they did not yet see the thing in which they had hoped. They had their minds made up then, that they, they knew what they knew, and they couldn't imagine past it. Take your mind back to the, the name or the face, the person that you love. As you're walking with them, a person who doesn't yet believe, can I just encourage you to be empathetic to where they're at? To literally, their reality is I can't imagine the thing that you're talking about. Like, my brain doesn't go there. Like, I see options A, B, C, and D, and you're telling me option J. Because it's not even on the page. Come on. And to help you move toward empathy, I invite you to consider, has Jesus delivered everything that you hoped in? Like, have you ever had the thought, like, boy, if Jesus did more this, if Jesus was more like that, then it would be easier to believe in him. Like, maybe the person whom you hope will believe is thinking, you know, if, if God had kept my dad present and my parents had stayed together when I was a kid, then it'd be easier to believe that I've got a good father. If I could find relief from depression and anxiety, then it'd be easier to trust that Jesus really is who he says he is. You say he rules over all this. If I, if I could just stay in a job that I actually liked and provided well for my family, then, then it would be easier to imagine that Jesus is the savior that you say he is. The reality is, as we stand in the in-between, in this world that is filled with brokenness and disappointment, where people are a mess, those things that they had hoped in, maybe the things that you had hoped for, they're either, number one, not the things that Jesus will do, that he is different than what you'd expected him to be, Or two, they're not what he has done yet. And we're still waiting on what he will do. That maybe we'll be that, or maybe even better. But the question that we must answer for ourselves as we stand in the in-between 
is how wise is it for us to continue to hope only if, as compared to, as compared to hope in what is. But if you don't yet believe, to hope in what is, is hard. But information is part of the recipe. If we're gonna do a recipe piece number one, information. But, but even that sometimes is not enough. Take a look, verse 22. Moreover, so they just got talked about uh, three days, it didn't happen yet. Moreover, some of the women from our company amazed us. They were told they were at the tomb early in the morning, verse 23, they, when they did not find his body. They came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Friends, they had the information, but it wasn't enough. Verse 24, some of us, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. They had information and corroboration from other people that were closer, and even that was not enough. And even though the information may not be enough, it's worth considering that with that person, it's worth gently asking in the context of relationship to one who's open but yet unconvinced, what are you waiting for? What more and better information would be enough? They, they likely won't have a good answer for you. But the question is not so that they could answer it, but rather so they could go back and continue to ponder on what is there. So an ingredient in the recipe of faith is information. And in fact, friends, this is the tool that Jesus uses. He uses scripture to be able to help bring these men to faith. Verse 25, Jesus says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, did Jesus say this like criticizing and I'm frustrated with you or is this a, a tender-hearted father to a kid that just doesn't get it yet? Like, son, you gotta stay out of the street. Like, I'm just trying to take care of you. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. Don't you guys see this? And verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus walks him through an extensive Bible study of the Old Testament and walks through and says, this points to the Christ and this points to the Christ and this points to the Christ and it was fulfilled in this way and this one was fulfilled in this way and this one was fulfilled in this way and he walked it all the way through, all the way through the Old Testament. Notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't say like, hey guys, look at me, it's me. It's me, right here, like, it's me. Like, guys, come on, look at me, look closer. It's me, I'm Jesus, you saw me. He doesn't do that at all, but he walks them through scripture, which is instructive to us, I think. Number one, on the necessity of knowing and understanding scripture. We talk about it, invite you to Bible study all the time, encourage you to be in the word regularly. Friends, this is necessary for the sake of those you care about. Number two, that, that there, there's the power in the scripture, that Jesus used this as a tool. He could have done other things, he didn't. Instead, he walks them through doing something that we can replicate. So he said, you know, I want you to continue what I have been doing. Well, he could have done something else that's outside the bounds of what we're able to do because we're not God. He doesn't. He does something we can do. He walks them through scripture and points them ahead. 
Worth noting as well uh, an interpretation principle here. All of Scripture has things within it that point ahead to Jesus Christ. At this time, they would have only had the Old Testament. So for all of you out there that are like, I just read the New Testament because that's when Jesus was fulfilled, and that's all the good stuff, and I like new things better, and I don't really like old stuff. Friends, this old stuff pointed to the new stuff and to the present stuff and gives us a greater picture of all that's there, how Jesus is revealed in it. So I think so far we've, we've got a piece that helps address one of our frustrated recipe flop questions of what can I do? What can I do to help those that I care about come to faith? One of the things you can do is grow in your knowledge of the scripture, particularly how it points to Jesus, that you would read the Old Testament with that lens. How does this point to Jesus? See how God's pursuit of us has been a millennia in happening and it culminated in sending Jesus. See how that past reality has present implications for us. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. This is not a magical formula. Uh, getting a, a Bible college degree and knowing the Old Testament really well and how it's all fulfilled in the New Testament is not a magical formula for making sure that those who you love will become believers. Don't hear that you need to know enough for God to work through you well enough. Not true. But it is true that God works through his word. And if we are to do what Jesus did, we need to know the things that Jesus knew. So on those days when Bible study is boring, on those days when devotions are dry, think not of what you're going to get out of it, but what God might do through it for the ones that you care about how God can equip you for the opportunities that you can't even imagine yet that he's preparing you for. Thankfully, in this case, we see faith, belief, seeing come to fruition. It does not remain elusive for them. Verse 28, they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It's toward evening. The day is now far spent. So we went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread. He blessed it, broke it, gave it to them. And underline this part too. And their eyes were opened. In fact, you could like draw a connection between verse 16 and verse 31 here. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This word recognize shows up in both verses. The one who made them not recognize now is the one who makes them be able to recognize. It took the supernatural work of God as well for faith to be. So putting all the pieces together, the recipe for faith is three. One, the amazing miracle of Jesus being raised from the dead. It is necessary, but in itself is not enough. The word of God still needed. Jesus models this. Yet even the word of God is not enough. Friends, hear me. Even the word of God in the hands of the most capable, most knowledgeable teacher ever, Jesus Christ, these men did not come to believe. So if you think you can, you can know it well enough and that's the piece, it's not enough. It wasn't here, at least. This should push back on your I'm the problem, I don't know enough rationale. Let this squash the conclusion that I should wait to start having these conversations until I know more things, until I can answer more questions. It will not be enough. But it is enough for you to believe. 
So why isn't it enough for someone else? That's worth pondering. And even if you did know it just as well as Jesus, it's no silver bullet. That's Satan just pressing you, encouraging you to put your hope in you instead of God. And that's sin. That's you being the idol. That's you in God's place. Repent. You're not capable. Only God is. Instead, step into the freedom that is trusting him with each of those people. Think of that face or that name and entrust them to the Lord. All three ingredients are needed. First Peter one twenty three. if you just want to jot that off to the side, uh, is a great place where all these pieces come together. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says, you have been born again. Who, who was a part of their own birth? Who did that? No, you didn't do that at all. Your parents did that. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable by Jesus Christ through the living and abiding word of God. So you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. The living word communicated through the written word did this for you. Friends, we have a recipe. And while the recipe described here in Luke 24 is not how it always happens, it does give us a behind-the-scenes look about how it can. More importantly, it helps us know what to think when it hasn't and gives us a new lens for seeing our, our recipe flops, a new lens for when our attempts to follow this recipe ends up as repulsive to those without faith as my lemon butter pasta. That lens is this. We don't hold all the ingredients. Say that along with me. We don't hold all the ingredients. So don't get discouraged when it doesn't happen the way you thought. Don't lose hope because it hasn't happened yet. But yet, at the same time, don't let that stop you from doing your part. Unless we speak, they won't hear. Unless there's someone to explain, they cannot understand. Parents, I'm going to talk to you just for a sec. You're responsible for raising your children to be disciple makers that are able to teach others to make disciples. And this community is around you and supporting you for the sake of doing that, but this is in your hands. Community. You are responsible for the people that are in your life, the ones that are along the way as we walk together as everyday people every day. And this is Jesus' amazing plan through us, bringing the living and abiding word to the world. So keep up the faithful work of, of listening and of speaking, of, of gathering regularly, whether you're, you're here or you're away on vacation or traveling for the week, find a place where you can hear the word of God so that you can patiently read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest it, for it does not happen without the word. Now, I talked a lot about uh, a pasta recipe flop, but as I, as I wrap for today, I want to leave you with this recipe for faith and, and have in mind not a, not a recipe for uh, a meal that you can cook, but rather consider it as a, a recipe for something that you might bake, for bread. For faith is like yeast in bread, and it takes time. It works imperceptibly for a long time, and then exponentially, seemingly, in no time. And it is God's work that ultimately is the one who brings faith. So whether you have on your heart the two out of three kids or grandkids that have turned away, 
the friend, coworker, cousin that just doesn't come around. Or maybe this person is you, and you're just not sure yet. Or maybe as things and the trends have gone in life and the more that you move along and read and live, you find yourself stepping further and further away and wondering, man, I'm, I'm not so sure about this anymore. I want to say to all of you, you can still have hopefulness even if there's not yet faith. Because here's what still is, the amazing miracle that Jesus is raised And this miracle was foretold and fulfilled. Scripture records it and you already know it enough that you can believe so you can share it and the rest is not up to you. But God, who did open the minds of the two men on the road, who was raised from the dead. So because of that, we get to be hopeful because it's not in our hands, but in his. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, the men on the road to Emmaus couldn't imagine past what they thought they knew. Lord, help us not to be caught there, but open our minds to the possibilities of what we can't yet see or think, what we think is impossible. Lord, our best intentions and efforts might flop, but yours have not in the past, and so we trust that they will not in the present or the future. Lord, let your resurrection power help us hold on to the fact that while while you're not still walking on the earth like you did on the road to Emmaus, you're still the chief cook in the kitchen, and you're actively at work baking up all that's possible for calling all to faith in you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen.